Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Greetings, everybody. Karibuni to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi's podcast channel. This is Fred Alexander Oyola, the pastor here. Glad you decided to listen in. May the Lord bless you. I hope February is going well. You are doing well this second month of the year. And as you um, continue on with the month, um, just some quick announcements from us here in Nairobi Chapel Mbakasi. Um, we are still reading the Bible. So I hope you are reading the Bible and praying every day. We began on 10th of January. Uh, it's available on our profile links across our social media handles. Download it, read it, and grow close to the Lord. Second-hand information, second-hand words from preachers to watch. Let's read the Lord's word. We began plug-in. We are on week two now. Um, you have one more week to join us if you want to join in. So, Karibu Sana. Um, it's a place where we connect, we connect with God. We find out about our community and we find out about our destiny, what God created us to do. So if you're somewhere, you're thinking about those things, karibu sana for, um, for this year's um, first season of plugin. And um, we've been talking about the book of the Songs of Solomon. It's, a, it's an amazing book. Um, most people do not read it. Apparently because it's too raunchy, it's too sexual. It's a Nikitabui kona story mingi sana the relationships that are a no-no, especially in church. One of the things we must remind you in this is a book that's also written by God himself, inspiration from the Holy Spirit. And so um, it helps us have these difficult conversations on relationships and uh, that's what we're doing this month. Last week, we began looking at the lives of King Solomon and his Shulamite. And so today we continue. We began by looking at singlehood last week. And if you missed it, um, just scroll to Apokwa. This podcast, you'll find it for last week. This week, we are looking at their wedding day. Um, they describe their wedding day. And it's an amazing description. So buckle up your seatbelts. Twende kazi. In case you weren't here last week, um, we began by reading some verses from the book of the Songs of Solomon, and they're amazing verses. So one of the things I will encourage you throughout this month is read the book. It is only eight chapters, eight hot, I call them hot chapters, um, from King Solomon and, and the Shulamite. Read them so that as we continue to do these readings, um, will be on the same page. And in case you're wondering whether they were written by God himself as well, I must remind you of Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 that, say, uh, that tell us, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. That, it's not just for that, but that the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete and equipped for every good work. So these verses remind us that even the Song of Songs is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, that is rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that we, all of us, may be complete and equipped for every good work. It means that we have to read this book both as a relationships manual, 
with all its explicit sexual connotations, including see it as the love guide to our relationship with the God of heaven. The book has been broken down um, to um, the couple's wedding day and its memories of courtship and engagement, that's chapter 1 to 4. Then the couple's marriage years, including the troubled times, that's chapter 5 to 7. And then finally, the power of love in marriage in chapter 8. When you look at the Bible, there are many mentions of weddings and its customs all over the place. These things we do in weddings didn't just begin the other day. In Genesis 2.24, God creates Eve and brings her to Adam and calls her his wife. For this reason, a man will leave, the Bible says, his father and mother and be united to his wife. They become one flesh. This is the first wedding ever and the smallest. But it boasts of a very great venue in the Garden of Eden and the best official, uh, is it officiant ever, the person who officiated the wedding, God himself. So, weddings are in the Bible. A dowry was also in the Bible. Dowries were in the Bible. It was called bride price or an engagement present. This is what was paid for the bride. The story of Jacob and Leah's um, wedding gives us a few unique insights. The father and the groom arranged this marriage between Jacob and Rachel. Jacob worked seven years to marry Leah. Many guests arrive, they prepare a feast, and his apparently heavily veiled bride was actually the sister of his intended, which he didn't discover until the next morning. After the bridal week celebration, he's allowed to marry his love, Rachel, but as long as he worked another seven years. That's in Genesis 29. So, dowries are in scripture. In Genesis 34 verse 12, the Bible says, um, no matter what dowry or gift you demand, I will gladly pay it. Just give me this girl as my wife. This is Shechem pleading to Jacob and his sons for the hand of their sister, Dinah or Dina. It depends which school you went to. There are bridesmaids in scripture. Jesus tells a parable about ten virgin bridesmaids waiting for the bridegroom to arrive at the bride's home in Matthew chapter 25. There was groomsmen, a wedding feast was there, and there was lots of family in weddings as well, in the feast. At Samson's wedding, we are told that his mother and father, including 30 groomsmen, had a customary feast. This is Judges chapter 14. Uh, the bride and groom dressed in their splendid best, as we are shown in Isaiah 61 verse 10. It says in the second part that as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns himself, herself with her jewels, and it goes on and on. So that was there as well. Psalms 45 has been entitled or given the name a wedding song, which describes a royal wedding. It's a music of strings. The royal bride, uh, bride, bride is in gold and her gown is interwoven in gold. That's some of the descriptions of the wedding. There was an actual wedding, a day of celebration, as we shown in Cana, which was Jesus' first miracle. Jesus and his disciples attend this wedding and meet Jesus' mother and brothers there. They feast. Oh, sorry, the feast was a social required, socially required standard, which was why running out of wine was an enormous problem. We read there that um, there was a master of the banquet, or what you know as a wedding planner, in charge. So this didn't start the other day. We learned that it was normal to serve the first wine, uh, the finer wine first, then the cheaper one is served later, obviously, because... By, the, by then, the wedding is almost over. Jesus performs his very first miracle here. And while he wanted to keep it under wraps, it's a big deal at the time. That's the, John chapter 2. 
at the wedding night, um, sex would happen. Yes, uh, this is a church podcast. This is a Christian podcast, but we are talking about sex. Yes, it happened. Sex is from God, so relax. This demanded the check of virginity through a cloth that was then given to the parents of the bride for their proof of virginity. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 13 to 21. I dare you, go read it. Mm, you've never read it. That happened. In the time of King Solomon and the Shulamite, there was just a bit of a difference. Not so much. But there was three stages to a Jewish wedding. These were Jews. So, um, the first was engagement, where a formal agreement was made between the fathers of both the bride and the bridegroom. The second was a betrothal, where a ceremony happened, where mutual promises are made. And then finally, marriage. Approximately a year later, when the bridegroom came at an unexpected time for his bride. Some of you know this as stealing the bride. Mm. It was a juicy. It started in the Bible times. But we must realize that weddings are not just experiences. They're not just things we do for the sake of doing. There's meanings behind weddings. Powerful meanings. God has a reason why he performed the first wedding for us. There's a reason why he instituted it. Let's look at it. The first wedding at the Garden of Eden has a few powerful pointers for us who seek to get married. One, Adam was in God's purpose, thriving, doing what God created him to do. So before we get married, we must at least know, especially for the man, uh, God, know him, and be in the journey of finding and hopefully doing your purpose. Not just finding out your purpose, but you're actually in it, doing it. You're active in it. This way, you'll avoid seeking validation in life from the relationships, or from the relationship in the marriage. This is why we ask you to come before the Lord. You do your weddings in church or before a minister. You stand before him to confirm that you acknowledge his lordship and therefore the consummation of the wedding. Number two, the wedding will cost something valuable. It will cost us something valuable. It costed Adam his rib, while Jacob had to work for 14 years. Number three, God the father brought Eve to Adam. So fathers walk their daughters down the aisle to remind the groom that it is God, not he, that thought it was good for him to be alone. It shows God's provision of the bride to the groom. You must remember that. Number four, I believe we exchange vows to commit ourselves to each other with God as our witness. No wonder he hates divorce. Single person begin to look at the vows and spend quality time praying over it. We'll talk about that a bit later. Finally, we dance and eat in celebration to point to the fact that before God, now we are one. And so what God has put together, let nobody separate. We are celebrating because this is an act of obedience before the Lord. We are doing something that God has asked for us to do in obedience. And so uh, once we do it, they celebration because we've done something good before him. So here is the warning though. Do not dance and celebrate outside of your budget. Dance and celebrate within your budget. That's the sermon for another day. Let's look at the Song of Solomon and its pointers to weddings. As we look at the wedding between King Solomon and the Shulamite. We begin at chapter 3 verse 6 to 11. This is what it says. 
Who is this coming up from the wilderness like a column of smoke perfumed with myrrh and incense made from all the spices of the merchant? Look, it is Solomon's carriage is courted by 60 warriors, the noblest of Israel, all of them wearing the sword, all experienced in battle, each with his sword at his side, prepared for the terrors of the night. King Solomon made for himself the carriage. He made it of wood from Lebanon. Its posts he made of silver, its base of gold. Its seat was upholstered with purple, its interior inlaid with love. Daughters of Jerusalem, come out and look, you daughters of Zion. Look on King Solomon wearing a crown, the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, the day his heart rejoiced. There's a couple of things that happen in this portion of scripture. One, the mention of wilderness that the bride comes from has a lot of significance to us or for us. The wilderness is a locale for intense separation and experiences of stark need for food and water like happened in the times of the manna and quails. If you remember, children of Israel, there is intense experiences of isolation like in the case of Elijah and the still small voice from God while he was trying to figure that out. There's experiences of danger and divine deliverance as shown in the lives of Hagar and Ishmael. There's experiences of renewal of the, uh, the wilderness, of encounters with God as Moses experienced with the, the burning bush and the revelation of divine and uh, the divine name of God. The experience the Israelites had at Mount Sinai with God coming down um, from heaven on the mountain. There's experiences of fighting off and getting victory over temptations as was shown with the life of Jesus. So it is not a place of settling. That's not the wilderness, but of going through. And I believe just like we experienced during COVID. Last week, we mentioned that the bride didn't seem that much confident in herself and needed a lot of encouragement from the groom. This time, though, by the time she's coming to her wedding, she has been through the difficulty of finding God first, God, and then finding herself in God, her purpose and identity, and is so radiant in character. That's what we've just read. James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4 informs us the following. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So it means that at the place of the wilderness, the place of trials, the place of difficulty, our faith is tested. But the testing of our faith, we've been told, produces perseverance, long-suffering. When that finishes its work inside of us, those who believe in God, in the wilderness he allows in our lives, then we are mature, we are complete. We don't like anything. And like the Shulamite, now smell like myrrh and incense. Beautiful smells. Romans 3, Romans chapter 5, or sorry, verse 3 to 5, adds to this by telling us the following. We glory in our sufferings, in our trials, in our difficulties, because we know that these sufferings produce perseverance in us. Perseverance will produce character. Character will produce hope. And this hope is not just any other hope. It is a hope that does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The mention of 
the perfume of myrrh and incense denotes holiness, righteousness, and anointing. Because the Shulamite was now radiant from her wilderness, she came out not only clear in her knowledge of God and purpose, but anointed for marriage. What the wilderness does to us is it allows us to go through a period of suffering, which produces perseverance in us, which produces character and the hope. It allows us to understand the hope of the Lord and the future. That brings radiance in us. We now smell as anointed people. That is God's work. The mention of King Solomon's courage with 60 warriors denotes protection and provision. King Solomon is telling the bride that he can both protect her in the marriage and the large procession, including provide for her. The opulence of the, of the courage simply shows how well he would take care of the bride. FYI, this was the wealthiest man in the whole world. So, the courage with 60 warriors is protection and provision. Young man, we must protect and provide for our brides. Protect them in every way possible to the level that we can and provide not only financially but in every other area. That's a summon for another day. But provision moves from finances to safety, to leadership, to peace, to love, to a lot of other things. And so may we be those that provide protection and provision just like King Solomon did to the Shulamite. The crown that his mother crowned him with shows us how good of a relationship King Solomon had with his mother Bathsheba. Don't date and marry a man who looks down on his mother or other women in general. Same for the men. Whoever looks down on the male species in general because of any so-called genuine reason, stay away from them. Is your girlfriend or fiance talking about things like men are dogs every once in a while? Get out. There's still time. The blessing of the parents is very important as they are God's representatives in the children's lives. It is one of the major ways in which we honor our parents as commanded and in turn, we are blessed with long life in the land God gives us. As God told the Israelites in the book of Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. Let's look at Song of Solomon chapter 4 from verse 8 to 16 for the next wisdom for the wedding day. Song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 8 to 16. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride, come with me from Lebanon. Descend from the crest of Amana, from the top of Senir, the summit of Hermon, from the lion's dens and the mountain haunts of leopards. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is, the, is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume, perfume more than any other spice. Your lips drop sweetness as a honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. Hey, the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with choice fruits, with hina and nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with every kind of incense tree, with myrrh and aloes and all the finest spices. You are a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. 
awake north wind and come south wind blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread everywhere let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruits hey this portion of the book is the vows and the consummation of the wedding night in sex before king solomon asked for her virginity the shulamite he asked her to come away with him from her home to a life with him. If he or she asks for sex before the commitment of life together, there's a problem. If he or she is more interested in your body than the commitment of a life together, there is a big problem. A committed life together is much more than being a prowess in the sexual escapades in the bedroom. The vows, wedding vows, direct us to commit to the other despite worse times. Sickness, poverty, and all till death separate us. Let's look at the vows. I know we've had this million times in weddings. But let's just take a look. They go like this. I take thee to be my wedded wife or husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part, according to God's holy ordinance. And thereto I pledge thee my faith. These vows are not to be said half-heartedly. They're not vows to be taken, not to be taken seriously. When you're committing to a life with your partner, with your wife or your husband, you're committing for better or for worse. Whether things go better or they go worse, you're saying, I am committed. You're saying, I'm committed to the rich moments of our lives and the poor moments of our lives. You're saying you're committed to sickness in your relationship and health. It is not something to take lightly. No what I said in the beginning, look at these verses, young, young people, those who desire married, marriage, single people, those who are dating, start looking at the, verse, um, the vows, these lines. Think about them. Pray over them. Ask the Lord to help you to understand and to commit to them. Because once you say them before him, it's a commitment. It's a vow. It's a covenant you're making. No wonder he hates divorce. Anyway, let's go on. After asking for a commitment to go away with him, King Solomon is asking the Shulamite to descend from her confidence and safety of the high place she was in her home and the fears from her home as well. She had to leave her old ways and be united with him to begin charting the new ways. He was asking the Shulamite to start becoming one with him. Here we are being pointed to the fact that the wedding symbolizes the fact of leaving and cleaving. We must leave our old ways and cleave to new ways with our spouse. If you are not ready to leave your old ways, you never cleave to the new ways with your spouse. All our securities and insecurities of our families must be left behind. Otherwise... We'll never build a new family. Finally, they consummate the wedding day with passionate sex. Hallelujah. That points to our virginity value from last week. <laughs> the virginity test was done at the end of sex and one had to pass it. Otherwise, death awaited. Caution. If you have an issue with sex in your marriage, or, or you have an issue with sex even as a single person, marriage will be difficult. The wedding night will be difficult. 
Why? Because sex is from God and it's a good thing. And I understand that some of us, maybe most of us, have had a negative percep uh, perception on this issue of sex. Pray to the Lord, the God of heaven, the giver of this sex, and ask him to help you through any negative perceptions you might have of, of it. He gave it to us. It is a blessing. And may the Lord help us in our sex, in our marriages. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. Anyway, in finishing, this is what God is telling us about the wedding day through the Song of Solomon. Number one, God takes us through the wilderness to prepare us for the wedding day and eventually marriage. Number two, God desires that men protect and provide for their bride amongst many other qualities. Number three, God desires we honor our parents in our weddings through their blessing over us. Number four, God demands we commit our lives to each other on the wedding day before sex. May the Lord bless those that are in the wilderness. If you're there and you're in a difficult place of wilderness, hang in there. Persevere because at the very end of it, there's a blessing. There are some of us who want to get married but are wondering how they will provide and protect their bride because of where you are in life. God knows and so all you need to do is lay your desire at his feet. He will establish them. You, it is a noble thing to desire marriage and so he will provide. Don't allow fear to kill that dream of marriage. There are those or some of us who have difficult parental relationships and are wondering how they will even get the blessing of a parent or a guardian. The Lord heals difficult relationships. Speak to the Lord. Ask. The Bible says, and it shall be given. And there are those that are praying for purity through your dating season. And like we said last week, maybe you've messed up. I beg you by the mercies of God to even begin today. And the Lord will bless you. May the Lord hear your heart's cries, may he answer your prayers, and may he bless you to have beautiful relationships, not just in dating, but in marriage. God bless you. See you next week. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.